I guess I'm preaching on the heart of the Reformation. And um, I am from Cardiff. Have you been before? What's that noise? Okay. I'm from Cardiff. And in Cardiff, there are many, many, many religions. People of different religions. And I was in the church the other day. And someone walked into the church of a different religion. And they said to me, can I cook for your church? Because we run meals in our church quite a lot. And they want to do something good. And he is of another religion. And he started talking about his religion. And I said, yes, you can cook. That would be lovely because he wants to do a big curry for church. Church family, that's nice, isn't it? He wants to do something good. And, uh, yeah, good morning. Welcome. Hi. And then he said, I know we're different religions, but we're all God's children. We're all God's children. And I thought to myself, you're sort of right. We're sort of right. So, my big question today is, at the heart of this Reformation Day, are we all God's children? Or is that only half the story? And is there more to life than just being a child of God? So, I'm going to meet this chap again, and we're going to talk it through. And I'm going to tell you about it this morning as well. Because it got me thinking, are there some people who are in a slightly different relationship with God than other people? Because you've all been made by God, but are some of us, we're all God's children, but are some of us in a slightly different relationship with Him than others? Don't know if you've ever thought about that before. That's what I'm preaching on this morning. So, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you a story. Then I'm going to tell you about Jesus who tells a story. And by the end, hopefully, we'll all be not just all God's children, but possibly in an even better category. Here's my story. There's a problem with my story. I took it from a book, <clears throat> and I've lost the book. So it's only half the story from the book, and I've had to make up the bits that I can't remember and I couldn't find the book. Here's my story. It's about a car. Two people were in a car. And for some reason, that I can't remember because I lost the book, there's a bomb in the boot of the car they're driving. It's quite an important detail to not remember that, isn't it? But there we are. They're in the car and the bomb is in the boot. And for some reason, I can't remember why, the passenger in the car knows that there's a bomb in the boot. And the driver doesn't know that there's a bomb in the boot. And then for some reason, that I can't remember why, the police come to learn that there's a bomb in the boot. Right? So they dispatch um, a rescue team to go and help the people with the bomb in the boot. And as they're driving down the road, the flashing lights come in the mirror of the car. And the passenger sees the flashing lights, and he goes, Whoopee! The rescue team have come, because there's a bomb in the boot. But the driver sees the flashing lights in the car, and goes, Oh, that's an inconvenience to my life. What are they doing here? I don't need them. And then what happens is, the police pull the car over, and because they love both the people, they call out to both of them, Get out of the car! It's for your good. There's a bomb in the boot. 
and only one of them gets out. Because there's lots of children in the room this morning, I'm going to make this interactive to keep you awake. Who do you think got out of the car? The passenger or the driver? The passenger. Why? Because he knows there's a bomb in a boot. And then he embraces the police who saved his life. Even though the police called them both and loves them both, one enters into a particularly close relationship now with the police. One of embrace and warmth and trust and love because they were rescued. Both people were loved. One's in a special type of relationship. The one who sees their need. And that's the end of my story. We did all right, being out. only I was making half of it up. But that's the story about the police car and the bomb. Now then, Jesus tells a story. And there are certain type of people in his story that are just in a different relationship to God than others. And it seems to be that it's the people who realize they have a need. Okay? And they enter a unique type of relationship that not everybody seems to be in with God, though we're all God's children. Understand? So who does he love? It seems to be this. The people that the rescue team have saved. See? God dispatches a rescuer from HQ in heaven down to planet Earth. And some people just love him and trust him. It seems to be that they enter a different relationship than the average person, though we're all God's children. And the story Jesus tells, he said, that, this is what, that was a summary of his story, but let's look at it. It's in Luke chapter 18, that we've just read. So if you've closed it, you might want to have a little look. And he tells this story because 2,000 years later, there'd be people in Klidduch that he wants to understand the heart of this story. So don't leave without grasping it. That's why it's written down, so that you may have life. And it's called a parable. It's better than the story I told. Do you know why? Because I'm not telling this story. Do you know who's telling this story? God. And when God tells a story, everybody should listen. And just to prove that, in verse 9, look who's telling the story. Jesus told a parable. So this isn't Owen, this is Jesus. And Jesus is the Son of God, dispatched from HQ to rescue lost people who have got a big need and a big problem. They've got a bomb in their boot, a bomb in their lives. He's the flashing light. He's called the friend of sinners. He's that protective older brother we all need in life. And now he's telling a story, so we should listen. And... He's speaking to people who, well, I'll just read verse 9. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they treated others badly. So God is speaking to men and women and children who think, I don't have a bomb in my, bo- <coughs> I don't have a bomb in my boot. I don't have a problem. I'm God's child and he loves me exactly the way I am and I'm good enough for heaven, and by the way, the people standing next to me, they are not good enough for heaven, but I am, and that's why God loves me. And I'm going to treat the person next to me not very nice because they're less than me. And that's who's listening to the story that Jesus is telling. 
and he's telling them because he wants them to understand something. He wants them to understand that what they think about themselves is desperately wrong. Yes, wrong. Because saying, we're all God's children, according to Jesus, is only half the story. Only half the story, because he's worried that there are people who listen to stories like this, and they don't quite know the saving love of God that they could know. And he wants that to change, from the youngest in the room to the oldest. And it's written down here, so that you can know it, and I can know it. Now in this story, well, in modern language we have words when we tell stories that people back in Jesus' day wouldn't understand. There are words in our vocabulary that we would have to explain to people from Jesus' time if we were telling them a story. Words that didn't exist back then that we have now, like McDonald's. If you said to the Romans, would you like to come to McDonald's? They'd say, what are you talking about? Or, um... Star Wars, that's my children's word at the moment that they love. Well, the Romans wouldn't know much about that, would they? And um, McFlurry, words like that. But there are words in this story that people in 2023 don't know. You might know them, but I'm going to explain them anyway, just in case there are people here that don't, because this is the key to understanding the story. And the first word that in this story that you can call out to keep awake, begins with a P, that we don't really know what it means anymore. But we need to know. What do you think the word is? Somewhere in that block. Call it up. Yes, hello. Pharisee. A Pharisee was a churchgoer in the first century, and they basically said this. Here are the rules of God, and we keep them and nobody else does. We're wonderful. In fact, we've made up a lot of rules, which just so happen to suit us, and we keep them. And you don't. You're bad. We're good. And then the second word, well, it's two words that perhaps you don't know what it means anymore. Although you should know this one in this version. It begins with a T. It begins with a C. Word one begins with a T and the second word begins with a C. What do you think it is? Tax collector. In Jesus' day, there was an empire that ran two-thirds of the world, and they ran it by politics and education and power and armies and might. And they begin with an R. What were they called, children? The what empire? The Roman Empire. And they were in the area that Jesus lived in, Israel. And not only did they invade and take over, so people didn't really like them. Not only that, when they got there, they asked you to give them money for the privilege of them moving into where you lived and give them taxes. Not only that, they employed Jews to take money off other Jews to give to the Romans. Not only that, the tax collectors who were taking from their own also were sometimes corrupt. And when they took money from their friends to pay to the Romans, sometimes they didn't quite make it to the Romans because they put it in their pocket and they spent it on themselves. So if you're a tax collector, well, in modern days, you would be called in school, Billy No Mates. Nobody likes you. Nobody. Billy No Mates. Then there's a third word that in this version begins with a J. I'll give you a clue, children. It's in verse 14, and not many people say it anymore. This is the heart of the Reformation. This was a big one in, uh, back in the day. Because with J, go on. Justified. 
Let me tell you what justified means so we understand this story. Justified in the Bible is sometimes used in like a courtroom type scene. Allow me to explain. Let's just say there's a dad. Let's just say this dad has two boys. Let's just say this dad lives in Cardiff. Not saying it's a true story. Just imagine it. Imagine one of the children was seven years old and one of them was nine years old. Imagine when they go for a drive in the car, one of the boys, because they're bigger now, wants to always sit in the front seat, because that's better than the back seat, isn't it? Everybody wants to be in the front seat. Let's just say the younger brother doesn't like that the older brother's always in the front seat. So they come up with a system. The system is this. During one trip, I'll sit in the front seat. And during the next trip, you sit in the front seat. And we'll swap. It's a good system, isn't it? It's a clever system. The problem is, these two boys have got something in their boots. It's called sin. And what happens is, uh, we're driving down the road and we get to where we want to go. And the one who's in the front seat ends to the, to the older brother on the trip on the way home and goes, Do you know, I can't remember if I was in the front seat on the way there. So what happens is, the younger brother goes to the older brother. Um, I think you were in the front seat and now I think it's my turn. And then the older brother goes, no, I've really forgotten if I was the one in the front seat of the last trip and I think it's my turn again. So the younger brother starts attacking the older brother and a fight breaks out in this imaginary story that may or may not be true. So what happens is the system goes kaput, a fight breaks out, and then they come and stand before dad. And dad, in this courtroom now, hears the whole story. And he listens. And to the one who's telling the truth about themselves, dad would say, you are justified. You're in the right. I positively agree with you. You're correct. Thank you for telling me the truth. I love you. Come here and I'll pick you up and give you a warm embrace. What you say about yourself is true. You're justified. You're positively now loved by me for telling the truth. Come and sit by me. And to the other one, dad might go, you're not telling the truth about yourself. Condemned. Inaccurate. And that's the word justified. Positively loved. And in Jesus' story, in this case, someone is declared to be justified. In the right with God. A blessed, true child of God who knows God like a father. But who it is, is very surprising. Especially if you're a Pharisee. And the last part of Jesus' story, they both, these two people, the Pharisee and the tax collector, pray some prayers. And I'm going to read the, the Pharisee's prayer. Verse 11 and 12. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And what happens now, ladies and gentlemen, is a list of all the good things that he's ever done. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. And that's the end of his prayer. It's a list of all the wonderful reasons why God should love him. And then, here comes the tax collector's prayer. The tax collector, standing far off, 
would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He says, help. Oh, he doesn't do this, does he? He goes, help. He doesn't even lift his eyes up to God. There's a bomb in my life. I've got sin. I can't earn your special love. There's nothing in me that I can commend. Help. I need your love. And I'm broken. I can't even lift my eyes up. In my house, I've got a dog. A Labrador. She's the naughtiest dog on planet Earth. Do you know why? She always steals my food before I've eaten it. Sometimes before I've even managed to cook it. It's just gone from the side. A few weeks ago, it was a raw chicken that we were going to have for Sunday lunch. Um, two days ago, it was chicken fertilizer. Not that I was going to eat the chicken fertilizer, but that nearly finished her off. And then a bit before that, she stole a whole batch of dark chocolate brownies, which means she had to go for another trip to the vet, because that's bad. And when she steals food, I walk into the kitchen, and she doesn't even lift her eyes up to look at me. And I'll say, Rita, it's my wife. The dog's not looking at me again. She's done something wrong. Rita, was there food out on the side cupboards, a cabinet? Yeah, so it's not there anymore. It's gone. And the dog cannot even lift her eyes to see me because she's ashamed. Do you know why she's ashamed? Because she's broken the laws of my house. She lives in my house in my world, and I've given her rules for her good, and she breaks them, and then almost dies because of them. Both of my dogs have been in the vet for eating the wrong thing, and she slips away into her crate. Do you know why I don't always like Disney movies? I don't like the Disney movies where the answer to all the world's problems is the person just looks inside and brings out something wonderful that was already there and just shows it to the whole world. And look at me, I'm wonderful as I am. I just didn't know it. And I just bring it out and I'm, I am brave and I am perfect and look at me. Don't like that. I don't like it. It's irritating because it's not true. I don't like it when I turn on the radio and there are religious leaders saying, just be who you are. You're exactly wonderful. Nothing's wrong. I don't like it because there's no awareness of shame. That actually, if we were honest, we are broken and we do mistreat people and we do mistreat God. And if we were being honest in our prayers, sometimes we shouldn't even lift up our eyes because we haven't been wonderful. We haven't been perfect. And Jesus probably wouldn't be invited to speak on some of the radio shows with the religious leaders, because this is the type of prayer that Jesus loves to hear, and that his father loves to hear, and it's not, look at me, I'm wonderful. And if you know Greek, it's even more powerful, because the prayer that God seems to accept in this story is this, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I'm asking for mercy and help and forgiveness, and it's from my heart. I'm humble, Lord. I can't even look up. I don't work properly. Help! There's a bomb in my boot. 
I am your child, but I'm separate from you because of this sin in my life. There's a French author, he's called Albert Camus, and he said this, I don't think there's a person on earth that I love that I haven't betrayed. Powerful, isn't it? He says even the people he loves in life, he betrays them as well. I took communion to someone in my church not long ago. I opened the door and he said to me, Owen, I'm a very sinful man. And I said, me too. And then we took communion. For this type of prayer, the head goes down. Help, there's a bomb in my life. But it's also wonderful. Because it also means this. There's no one here outside or who needs to be outside of God's saving love. Because we're all sinners. And that's who he saves. And we all can receive forgiveness this morning. And love like we've never known before. And these prayers have two results. The broken man with his need of sin and his lostness goes home with that J word pronounced upon his life. And children, what was the J word? He's justified. You are in the right. You are a child of God. And you are specially loved. Now be blessed. And that means that if I crash the car, because I've been declared justified as, as well, children, if I crash a car on the way home to Cardiff and suddenly am whisked into the next world, do you know what you can say of me? Owen's in heaven. I know it for sure. You could say that about yourself as well, whatever happens in your life. I know I am going to heaven when I die because Jesus has forgiven me. I'm justified. And that, ladies and gentlemen... It's the story of the Reformation. It's the story of Jesus that he tells over and over and over and over again. And here it is in summary. You're all God's children. You've all been made by him. But Jesus came to show you the saving love of the Father. You've got a bomb in your hearts. It's called sin. It's ticking and it will lead to judgment and separation from the Father. But Jesus doesn't want that. That's why he's come. He's the rescue lights from heaven to planet Earth. And being good enough isn't going to defuse the bomb. He says, bring it to me. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. I love you. Tell me about your whole life. The Father has sent me to save the weak and the poor and the lonely and the separated and the deflated and the hopeless and the sad, and the lost, to bring them back home to God the Father, and to glory in heaven. And if you do feel shame for all the things you've ever done, no new boyfriend or girlfriend will really stop that shame. No drugs will stop the shame. No new job or promotion will take the shame away from you. But Jesus will, over and over again, Jesus will. And if you were a hundred times worse than you are, still... Your sin is no match for the Father's saving love and mercy that can be shown to you every single day in the power of Jesus. And if you just understand that now in your seats, you're saved. And you'll go home and have dinner, or whatever it is that you're going to do this afternoon, justified now 
and forevermore. So let's place ourselves in the wonderful arms of Jesus.